<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, some very exciting news. I've got a new book coming out. It comes out in March, but copies are available now or very soon. It's called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. And just like it sounds, it's my story. All about uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware, how I ended up on national television from that little start, which took me through the seminary, studying for the priesthood to California, working for Jerry Brown, doing TV in L.A., coming back to Washington for CNN for Crossfire and the Spin Room on MSNBC with Pat Buchanan. It's been a great run, a lot of fun, met a lot of great people, had a lot of interesting experiences, and I wanted to share it all with you, tell that story. And we do hear Bill Press from the left, copies available right now. You can order a signed copy if you go to our website, BillPressShow.com. With a 40% discount, the book will cost you only $16.79, BillPressShow.com. And the first 100 of you who order uh, from the left will also get a free signed copy of one of my earlier six books. You know, to sum it all up, uh, the great Henry Miller once said, So whether the world is going to pieces or not, whether you are on the side of the angels or the devil himself, take life for what it is. Have fun, spread joy, and confusion. I've tried to do that all of my life. This is the story of it. Bill Press from the left. Get your copy today. Go to BillPressShow.com. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. These students have voices and they are not afraid to use them. Loud and strong. Hey, what do you say, everybody? It's Thursday, February 22nd. This used to be George Washington's birthday until they changed it. Great to see you today. It is a big Thursday. Uh, Boy, seems like spring, almost summer in Washington, D.C. Don't know how it is where you are, but uh, whatever. The weather, hope you are doing fine, having a great day, starting a great day. And what a great way to start a great day here on the Bill Press Show. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day. And it was a news-dominated here in Washington, D.C., and down in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, with students speaking out to the President of the United States directly and to the world on CNN about the horrific situation today in the United States where we do nothing to prevent easy access to weapons of war and killing machines and demands by the students for action to fix it, and they're not going to settle for any halfway actions such as the President of the United States suggested yesterday. Lots and lots to talk about, and we'll take you to 
the White House to the listening session and to Tallahassee, Florida for the CNN town hall. And then get your comments on Twitter at BP Show on Twitter at BP Show. Let us know what you think of the news of the day. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All right, let's get right into it. Just a couple of other stories making news. We go to Pyeongchang for an Olympics update, Bill. Yeah, big news yesterday. Huge shocker for Team USA. The women's hockey team defeated Canada. In a shootout to win three yep. to two, USA, which means USA. How they about it? win the gold medal. Not is... quite as exciting as that uh, men's Russian team, you know, the, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, right. The miracle on was. ice. Not yeah. quite the miracle but on it's ice, still, but it's pretty close. Incredible. They point out this is the this is the first time that the United States has beaten Canada since 1998 Whoa. in uh-huh. women's hockey. Yeah. So women, uh, they get the gold medal for hockey, of course. That doesn't take us much farther in the polls or the uh, the medal count. The United States is still in fourth place with 21 overall medals. We're getting up there, though. We're getting but up there. Norway is still in the lead. 13 gold medals, 12 silver, 9 bronze for a total of 34. We're not going to catch them. No. But we might possibly end up in the top three because Canada has 23. We have 21. Uh, and I forget her name, but a woman, a uh, U.S. woman, one American woman, the uh, cross-country skiing. Yeah, there was a cross-country yeah. skiing win yesterday. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of wins yesterday for America. They actually got a couple of women's short track. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there was another winner and uh, a couple other things there. So we, we made up for it because we had a little bit of a, a drought there for the last couple of days. Uh, meanwhile, here in Washington, boy, oh boy, hot water continues to get hotter for Paul Manafort and Rick Gates yesterday. New criminal charges were filed against mm-hmm. Paul Manafort and Rick Gates. Now, these are sealed charges, so we yeah. don't know exactly what the nature of these new charges are. But any new charges against those two guys, they can't be good. <laughs> but they were filed yesterday. A single-page document filed at the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, again, did not reveal the uh, the new charges. So we'll just have to see where that goes I'm with these you, guys. Mueller is in high gear, man. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting to see how we had so much yeah. sort of yeah. dead air for a little while. There was nothing really happening. And now it seems like every other day. So you got the Russians and you got Rick Gates and you got this Dutch guy and now these sealed indictments four days in a row. Yeah. And we'll see if he flips mm-hmm. anybody else, right? Like, that's the that's the big thing. Uh, so very exciting times here in Washington, D.C. And, uh, yes, Robert Mueller, as I call him, the only man in Washington, D.C. who can keep a secret. Right. Yeah. Um, I believe we won't actually find out what's in this uh, indictment. I bet it makes Jared Kushner nervous. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. There's no doubt who's in charge today. These students have voices, and they are not afraid to use them. Loud and strong, they've uh, they've taken over, and man, uh, let them go. We better listen to them, because they're not going to give up. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Thursday, February 22nd, good to see you today, and great to be with you. The Bill Press Show all across this great land of ours. Here we go, coast to coast. Our little town hall every day. We got a town hall like this one, two hours to uh, get you through the news of the day and give you an opportunity to comment on it 
and hear some of the best voices from here from uh, our studio in Washington, D.C., uh, with their analysis explaining what it all means to us and where we are going as a nation. We're joining you every way we can online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where, of course, when you go there, you will sign up and register as a member of The Bill Press team. We are happy to be with you on Free Speech TV. I'm privileged to join you on Free Speech TV all across this great land of ours again. And on the radio, in the radio world, how about it? Chicago, you're looking good today. WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. And throughout Indiana, doing our uh, little job to help turn Indiana, at least purple, if not blue, uh, on Indiana Talks. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, and the big news yesterday continues to be uh, the student uh, student demands in the wake of the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, last week. Students yesterday descending in huge, huge crowds on Tallahassee, Florida, where the day before the Florida legislature had refused even to take up a, a bill uh, to vote on a bill to ban assault weapons. Uh, yesterday, students stormed the Capitol, um, protesting outside the governor's office, outside the speaker of the House's office, uh, inside the Capitol, outside the Capitol, uh, and shouting, shame on you, shame on you. And then a lot of them there last night for the CNN town hall, uh, which turned into a raucous, raucous uh, event with people just demanding action on gun safety and not taking the mealy mouth answers that they were getting from Marco Rubio. Of course, um, um, Rick Scott, the governor, didn't even show up. Uh, and those students who were not in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, some of them came up to the White House with their parents and other survivors of uh, gun schools of school shootings uh, around the country, invited to the White House for a little listening session with uh, Donald Trump, where, of course, he had been prepped by his staff. He had notes of what he was supposed to say to appear that he cared, to look like he was listening. He actually had a note reminding him every once in a while to say, I hear you. When you need to have a note in your hand reminding you to say, I hear you, that's a good sign that you're not listening. That's a good sign that you don't give a rat's ass. I'm surprised you didn't have a note that said, like, remember to ask the children who they voted for in the election. <laughs> right? Like, that's just, that's, it's so... Like when it you think so, of the U.S. president, right? Whoever it, so it is, phony. you'd like yeah. to think that they can identify with somebody, some people, somehow. You've got to find some commonality, but he has nothing, nothing. Actually, I'm really surprised, come to think of it, that he didn't talk about how many electoral college votes that he. Uh, I was stunned that that he that he won, uh, and how. Um, he is the greatest president in the history of the United States. He kind of forgot to mention that yesterday. And also uh, about why we should be investigating Barack Obama and Hillary and crooked Hillary and not him. Although he said that at another point yesterday. So maybe he didn't have to repeat it uh, in the listening session. Um, but and by the way, I, I, I've got to say I watched uh, a good deal of that listening session and the beginning of it. I just wanted to vomit. I I don't know how and where in that high school after what they've been through, but they did. They were able to find uh, a couple of students 
who uh, just were there, picked there and put right alongside the president and asked to speak first so they could say, oh, you're such a wonderful leader. You're a great leader. And we love the direction that you're going in. And you have our full support. And I thought, oh, man, this is this is going to be bad news. Uh, but it got better as more people, as they moved around the room and more people spoke up. That one young man who... Uh, who lost his best friend and was weeping openly, sobbing, talking about that. He turned 18 the day after the shooting, uh, and then he realizes he's celebrating his 18th birthday, marking his 18th birthday without his best friend. Uh, the mother of uh, one of the angels killed up at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School, very, very strong, maybe the uh, most powerful speaker, a man who lost his 14-year-old or 18-year-old daughter, his name was Andrew Pollock. Uh, you can tell he didn't grow up in Florida, but he's there now, and he was pissed and spoke to the president directly, the strongest voice, I think, of all. My daughter has no voice. She was murdered last week, and she was taken from us. Shot nine times on the third floor. We go to the airport. I can't get on a plane with a, a bottled water. But we leave it, some animal could walk into a school and shoot our children. Yeah. And by the way, don't, don't take this, let's not accuse this guy of being on the payroll of George Soros, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. This is a guy who went hunting for his daughter that day wearing a red Trump 2020 t-shirt at the school, okay? So th 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 this guy who's a conservative Republican who is really pissed off and says, come on, Mr. President. He goes on to say, we got to fix this, and you can fix it. Everyone has to come together and not think about different laws. We need to come together as a country, not different parties, and figure out how we protect the schools. It's, it's simple. It's not difficult. We protect airports. We protect concerts, stadiums. And we can do it for schools if we have the guts to do it. And after listening to them, just to prove that he's not listening at all, Trump came in there with, remember, let's, let's go back. This is a guy on the eve of his 100th day in office. It was April 27, 2017. Donald Trump went to the NRA convention, and he said, you were there for me, I will be there for you. You have a new champion in the White House. So let's just accept listening session, no listening session. Donald Trump's not going to do anything that the NRA doesn't support. He will not dare do anything the NRA doesn't support. He's already made that pledge. So what did he talk about yesterday? Re or, uh, two, two ideas. Just Again, he came in with these. I, these ideas, he didn't. He he wasn't listening. He didn't learn anything from them. One of them is something that, consider the source, Geraldo Rivera, recommended to him over dinner at Mar-a-Lago last weekend. Okay, here's the way to fix this problem. How old was this kid? He was 19. Let's raise the age for buying an AR-15 to 21. Problem solved. God, what an idiot. I mean, that doesn't solve anything at all. That still means that weapons of war, battlefield weapons, are in circulation and anybody, okay, 21. 
can walk into a store and buy How does that make us any safer? How does that make our schools safer? You look at the age of the people who have done these mass shootings in nightclubs and in schools or in hotels or from hotels like in Las Vegas. I would say most of them are probably over 21. Someone actually did a look it's, at it's that, ridiculous. right? The shooter in Las Vegas was in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, the Sutherland Springs shooting, uh, I believe the guy was 24. Five or twenty-six. I mean, Columbine was high school kids. The sure. Kid in uh, uh, Sandy Hook was a high school high age school kid. kid. But but you know it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't fix the problem. If you want an age limit, right? Make it seventy-five. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Raise. Let's raise sure. the age limit. I doubt that anybody. I doubt you could find anybody over seventy-five who could even fire one of these things. Sure. Right. But also the, the, the defense of the NRA on this issue uh, is that it's not a gun problem. It's a mental health problem, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. That, this is right. something that we've seen over the last week. Uh, you can't, you know, you have to have uh, better care for uh, mental health patients. Well, last th- night at the scene in th- town hall, Dana Lotius came out and just, just repeatedly called them crazy people. Well, that, that's the rabbit hole. Insane. That's a rabbit hole that people like Paul Ryan go down. But the Always. point is, but the, but, but the point is, if it's a mental health problem, the age has nothing to do with it. Absolutely right. Right. And by the way, it's not crazy people who are walking in and buy these guns. These are people who walk in and buy the guns and then do crazy things with sure. the guns. Sure, yes. You know? So the idea that you're going to be able to spot everybody who might do ever do anything wrong with a gun is just insane. to It just makes no sense at all. And again, so Donald Trump walks in with two ideas. One, we're going to raise the age limit, which doesn't do anything. And uh, and two, we're going to, of course, this is the NRA's special. This is Wayne LaPierre's solution to school shootings. This is the uh, this is it. This is the NRA agenda, Donald Trump's agenda. We're going to arm the teachers. For example, he says that coach who charged this guy and was killed in the process, if only Donald Trump. If the coach had a firearm in his locker when he ran at this guy. That coach was very brave. Uh, saved a lot of lives, I suspect. But if he had a firearm, he wouldn't have had a run. He would have shot, and that would have been the end of it. Oh, yeah. Because he would have been trained to use a firearm. He would have been. He would not have missed. He would not have hit a, a kid in the crossfire. Oh, no, no, no. It would have been. It's just that simple. See? That's it. Right. And so Donald Trump says, that's what we want to do. We want to open up our schools and make our schools arm camps by uh, giving Every teacher a gun, which is only the first step toward giving every custodian. And why not? What the hell? Every yeah. student. At this point, why stop? Why? Every student. Every student a gun. Here's, here's Donald Trump again. Do people feel strongly against it? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, most. Strongly against it. All yeah. right. I mean, I can, look, we can understand yeah. both sides. Of uh-huh. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And certainly it's controversial. But we'll study that along with many other ideas. Yeah. Talk to teachers. There was a woman... At the listening session, a man at the listening session yesterday said, wait a minute, Mr. President, my my wife is a teacher. The last thing she wants is to be trained to use a gun and be turned into, uh, you know, a, a security guard, basically. We no, ask, teachers should be teaching. We ask so much of our teachers to begin with, yeah. and we don't fund the schools, right. and they're having to buy stuff out of pocket just to, just to teach. By the, by the way, if you, and if, now we got to have them be security guards, too? You know, by the way, if they ever did this, they'd make the teachers buy their own guns. Oh, oh. damn straight they will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's just insane. It's just not going to work. This is like the crazy old idea that the idea 
that the way to stop hijackings was to arm every pilot. And the president made that statement, too, saying that most pilots have guns. No, they don't. No, they don't. Very few do. Uh, and it's not guns, pilots having guns that has stopped them, the hijackings. It's the other security measures that uh, the airlines have uh, appropriately taken. So all I'm saying is don't expect anything out of Donald Trump. But that doesn't mean the students are going to stop there. And we saw that last night. The real show yesterday was at the CNN Town Hall uh, down in Tallahassee, Florida. Jake Tapper uh, doing a great job of doing his best, but he wasn't in charge. <laughs> he would, the, no way, man. The audience was in charge. And you got to give, um, you got to say, so the two senators did show up. Um, Republican, Marco Rubio, and a Democrat, Bill Nelson, Bill Bill Nelson. Nel- and Bill Nelson. The one who did not show up, Rick Scott, chicken, chicken. He knew he would have been pummeled, as was Marco Rubio. Uh, and those two senators, the stu- again, the students did not back down, uh, nor, did, nor did the parents. And this was one where it was just, it was just, just flat out demanding action. Uh, let's start. The sound of it is so great. Let's start with uh, Fred Gutenberg. Uh, he's a parent. He lost his 14-year-old daughter. He's taken talking right. He he is on stage right in Rubio's face. I want to like you. Here's the problem. And I'm a brutally honest person, so I'm just going to say it up front. Yes, sir. When I like you, you know it. And when I'm pissed at you, you know it. Your comments this week and those of our president have been pathetically weak. Amphitheater full of kids. And For the record, were... I had to cut off about thirty seconds of applause oh, yeah. after that oh, question. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's the. I mean, every single time that a student or the or a parent stood up or somebody confronted Marco Rubio, the police lost their minds. They just applauded. And, and when Rubio clearly got caught in some sort of oh, yeah. lie or some wishy washy answer, they would just start booing and heckling him. Oh, it I was know. amazing. So Gutenberg continues here. He said, "Look." What's the common thread of all these shootings? It's the guns, stupid. So, you and I are now eye to eye. Because I want to like you. Look at me and tell me guns were the factor in the, the hunting of our kids in this school this week. And look at me and tell me you accept it and you will work with us to do something about guns. And, of course, Marco Rubio won't. He's, he's this whole thing. Marco Rubio's line, remember, so weak last week. Well, we need to do things that not just think that make us feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, I'd feel good if Marco Rubio did anything. Uh, but then, so here's one of the survivors. And by the way, that that's really who they are. We call them students. They're survivors. They're survivors of a brute looking right, in, right up the barrel of that AR-15. Cameron Kasky is his name. And he just wants to know from Marco Rubio, trying to get a straight answer, will you... Take any more money from the NRA. Can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA in the future? <laughs> oh, there it goes. And of course, here's Rubio's ducking and weaving, trying not to answer. People buy into my agenda. And I do support the Second Amendment. And I also support the right of you and everyone here to be able to go to school and be safe. And I do support any law that would keep guns out of the hands of a deranged killer. 
And that's why I support the things that I have stood for and fought for during my time here. More NRA money? More NRA money? Cassie's not letting up. I, there, that, that is the wrong way to look. First of all, the answer is people buy into my agenda. You can say Number no. second, well, I, I... Answer the question. The Guys, influence of any group... We're going to be here all night. The influence of these groups comes not from money. The influence comes from the millions of people that agree with the agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, won't answer that question. Will not answer. Uh-uh. And by the way, this is a high school student yes. asking yes. this question. Yes. And no offense to Jake Tapper. No. But, like, there are no journalists who would follow up no. and just say, no. answer the question. Right. I asked you a question. I expect an answer. And, like, would not be shaken off of it. And Rubio did not answer the question, never answered the question, uh, which means, of course, he got $3 million already from the NRA, and he'll take more. And this idea that they buy into his agenda, that he doesn't buy into their agenda, BS. That's not the way it works. They don't give... Bernie Sanders kept saying that <laughs> during the primary against Hillary. Why did they give her all this money? They didn't give this. They, they, why do why do the why do the corporations and the PACs give politicians the money? They don't give it out of the purity of their heart. They get it because they know they own them, and they wouldn't give it to them if they didn't know they were for sale. And Marco Rubio is for sale to the NRA. Uh, so uh, then there is there was a woman there that. Uh, who representing the NRA, Dana Loesch, I guess her name is, yeah. Um, so Emma Gonzalez, another survivor and one of the leaders of the students, um, she gets into the issue of banning assault weapons and bump stocks. Do you believe it should be harder to obtain these semi-automatic weapons and modifications to make them fully automatic, such as bump stocks? Well, I think the ATF is deciding about bump stocks right mm -hmm. now. The president ordered the, the, the DOJ to look into it. I'm asking order. your opinion as a representative of the NRA. That's what the NRA's position has been. The NRA came What's I'm talking for them. These are the five million members that I'm here representing. That is what that group's position has been on that. So that answers your question. And they spoke about that before the president made a move, and they spoke about that before Attorney General Jeff Sessions made an announcement about that, too. At which point, the sheriff, he's a good guy. I've, I, I think he's been really on the job here. Scott Israel, the sheriff, says, wait a minute. He says to her, the NRA spokesperson, wait a minute, you say you stand up for these kids? No, you don't. And, and I understand you're standing up for the NRA, and I understand that's what you're supposed to do. But you just told this group of people that you are standing up for them. You're not standing up for them until you say, I want less weapons. So, I, you know, look, uh, again... Uh, I don't want to speak appear too Pollyannish, but I do think this is the time when this could be different. I think this is a time when we could see some action because these students are not going to give up, and they are smart. They are determined. They've been through hell. They don't want it to happen again to themselves or any other students, and they are so savvy in their use of the social media and the MSM. They, <laughs> you know, they know, and and this is happening all across the country right now, not just in Florida. There was a really interesting uh, piece on 538, Nate Silver's group, yesterday. Uh, and he talked about how quickly we move on 
mm-hmm. from yeah. these yes. shootings, whether it's a school shooting or the Las Vegas shooting or a, 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 right. the church shooting or the Pulse nightclub shooting. We there, there, There's sort of a, a, a format for how we move on from these, right? And what, he, what was interesting is he said the interest and the searches for gun control, gun safety, the shooting in Florida has only gone up since, since it happened. Parkland. And that hasn't happened re- in recent history, right? Yeah. Like we, you, yeah. you, we, we cover it, right? Like right. we know how quickly oh, yeah. the news cycle just moves on, especially in the days Look of Donald Trump. Vegas. We thought Vegas would hit, be a chain turning point. No. Didn't turn Not at all. Point. And we this... moved on from it. A week later, we weren't talking about it. And now here we are. It's a week later, and it's still the biggest story in America. And maybe, maybe a sign that this is having an impact is this disgusting attack against some of these students, this conspiracy uh, theories that are that are going around. We play, We talked yesterday about Jack Kingston, former Republican congressman from um, Georgia, who took this conspiracy theory onto CNN, where he's a paid contributor, uh, but it's also been online, where they particularly singled out um, David uh, Hogg um, and, and this Emma Gonzalez we just heard from, uh, accusing, particularly accusing David Hogg of being a crisis actor. Oh, he was just imported from Hollywood uh, as a paid actor to pretend and pretending to be a student, all based on the fact that last year when he was on vacation in L.A., there's, I don't know, whatever, he's somewhere, and there's a news crew. Something happened, he witnessed, and he did some little interview on the local news, and somebody found that clip and said, you see? They imported him from Hollywood to do this thing. It's just a scurrilous attack. Oh man! Yeah, and and also they went after one of the students there, who was speaking, and said he was only speaking out because his father was a retired FBI guy and he was just trying to make up for the FBI. And guess what? That was retweeted by none other than Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, these despicable conspiracy theories against these kids. No, they're for real. They're not paid stooges. They're not working for Hillary. They're not working for George Soros. They went through hell, and they're determined to get some change. There was, and I think they're going to get change. There was a kid. It'll take some time. There was, yeah, it will. There was a kid who was on stage last night, uh, young man. I should say kid, but it was a young man uh, on stage. Uh, and he said that when a couple of years ago he got stuck, he had to go to into a closet in his classroom because there was a, a shooter loose just in the county. Right. And he was like barely in high school or he was still in middle school when this happened. And then he obviously survived the shooting in Florida. And he just said, like, this has been my whole yeah career as a student. We've grown up in this world where every like it's a real possibility. Going to school means you're going to a war zone here in America. This is the Columbine generation. hundred percent. And they have drills in their schools, not every school. That, but more and more, the drills in the schools teaching kids what to do if a crazed gunman walks into the school. But we talked more about that, all this uh, throughout the uh, throughout the show today. And again, your comments. Uh, let's hear from you. Whether you think and whether you uh, share a li- little bit of optimism. Look, I'm not going to say it's over. No, just but a little one, little bit of optimism that, that could this could be different particularly because these are the midterm elections. Um, just a couple of things I uh, also wanted to mention. Uh, chain migration. Boy, we got to get rid of that. Uh, that's what Donald Trump calls it. It's really family reunification, family immigration, if you will. Uh, but Donald Trump calls it chain migration, and we know he is determined to end it. 
Uh, it was revealed, reported yesterday by the, or this morning actually, by the New York Times that two people who came here as a result of so-called chain migration were Melania's mommy and daddy. Hmm. What do you think the chances are that they're going to be sent back to uh, Moldavia or wherever the hell she came from, right? <laughs> yeah. But this is it. She was here. She's able to get her mother and father here, according to Donald Trump. No, that's the problem. You know, they're probably terrorists, don't you think? Because they Put them on the watch list, sure. If they came here through chain migration, they've got to be uh, rapists, criminals, murderers, or or worse. Moldavia right? is not sending us their best. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You see how these things come back to haunt you. Of course, Donald Trump uh, probably doesn't even realize it. And uh, it turns out that uh, we find out, we've been asking the question, why couldn't Jared Kushner, why can't he get a permanent security clearance? Looks like the problem might be that this guy owns tens of millions of dollars to a German bank with close ties to the Kremlin. So maybe he'll never get that security clearance unless Donald Trump gives him a special dispensation. He'll have to give one to Ivanka, too, because she doesn't have a permanent security clearance because you know she's got all kinds of funny money all around the world with her with her clothing line. Anyhow, uh, we're just getting started. Lots to talk about. So uh, Ben Kamazar from uh, The Hill joins us next. Uh, he's been covering particularly what's happening uh, with the Democratic uh with a new reapportionment plan up in Pennsylvania and the latest on the Robert Mueller investigation. Lots more coming up. Stay with us here on the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, you bet it is the uh, Bill Press Show on Thursday, February 22nd. Uh, and that's me, Bill Press, or you can just call me from the left because I'm proud of it and proud of the new book coming out. You've heard me talk about it. Uh, from the Left, Life in the uh, Crossfire. Uh, just a um, ramble through all the good times that I've had and all some of the great people I've met and great experiences that I've had. Leading up here to uh, the Bill Press Show nationwide, it takes me from uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware all the way to the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, with the uh, time spent with Jerry Brown and Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and all of you. Uh, and you can get your copy, signed copy of, uh, this comes out a month to, in a month, March 2020, uh, but you can get in advance your signed copy. Just go to our website at BillPressShow.com. And again, for our listeners and our viewers, a special uh, 40% discount. So you can get the book at sixteen seventy nine, all signed. With praise on the book from, uh, on the left, Bernie Sanders, Cenk Uger, Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, and Maxine Waters. And praise on the right from Tucker Carlson, Ann Coulter, and jo- Joe Scarborough, and praise right down the middle from uh, Anderson Cooper. Get your copy, BillPressShow.com. And we welcome to the program from The Hill, that great newspaper that carries my column every Tuesday. That's why it's one of the reasons it's such a great newspaper. Ben Kamazar. Hello, Ben. I feel the same way. They let me write in it every day. That, so, that's you know. it. You know, it's, they have some loose standards We're one of those, there, like, huh? I don't want to be a part of a club that would have yeah, you as a right. member. I don't know. One of the, one of the two. <laughs> that was Groucho, I think, who said that. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yes. So... Uh, Peter, we've been at it for a while. Yes, indeed. We're Anybody on Twitter. out there waking up? Oh, yeah. We are on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Tom weighing in. Uh, we had the Trump clip where he talked about the coach uh, firing a gun at the shooter. Tom says, firing a handgun at the shooter is likely to have pissed off the shooter with an AR-15 even more. Might have meant even more deaths. 
Phil says, as horrific as they are, school shootings are a red herring for the NRA. Since they are a tiny fraction of gun violence incidents, the underlying problem of too many guns gets whitewashed over smothering security that'll turn schools into armed fortresses. And Gagey, uh, about the kids that were at the town hall last night, yes, finally some people willing to stand up to these fake public servants. Corporate media should be ashamed. Uh, one other quick comment. Blame Girl, who we hear from uh, often in the mornings, actually went to the town hall last night in ooh, Florida. Ooh. Said, I went and I had to leave when Dana Loesch started talking. I just wanted to heckle her. <laughs> so- in yeah. that crowd, you're good at it. She would have fit right in. Right. If you have right. a comment on any topic at any time, remember we're on Twitter at BP Show. So, Ben, uh, we have been talking about the uh, town hall and about the listening session yesterday uh, where uh, Donald Trump closed by saying one of the things we're looking at is arming teachers. In fact, Peter, you mentioned the the, the clip, right? If the coach had a firearm in his locker when he ran at this guy, that coach was very brave. Uh, saved a lot of lives, I suspect. But if he had a firearm, he wouldn't have had a run. He would have shot, and that would have been the end of it. So Donald Trump tweeted just 11 minutes ago, I never said give teachers guns, like was stated on fake news at CNN or NBC. What I said was to look at the possibility of giving concealed guns to gun-adept teachers with military or special training experience giving teachers guns he's giving teachers yeah, I mean, guns he's giving teachers guns yeah <laughs> yeah i mean how could he say i never said it when we heard him say it and he said it before he in fact that that's just one little clip he talked extensively yesterday about um concealed we call them concealed weapons the whole thing right Sure. He asked, he, yeah, he asked how many of you like the idea of having many, the, the armed teacher do people feel strongly against it anybody anybody yeah. Strongly against it. All right. I mean, I can look. We can understand both sides of, and certainly it's controversial. But we'll study that along with many other ideas. There it is. Yeah. Uh, I just again, he doesn't know what he's doing on any in any area. But I mean, you can't deny what if you said it one day, you can't deny you said it the next day. Not these days. Sometimes right? you can though. It might it doesn't well, he work. Doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I guess he does it all 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 the time. Um, ben. Today, this weekend, I mean, God, it's going to be such a busy weekend because we're all going to be tied up at CPAC, <laughs> the Conservative Political Action Committee. Are you headed over committee. after this? Are you kidding? I Your wouldn't speaking go. speaking spot? Uh, yeah, my slot. I oh, they'd love you over there, Bill. I have never gone near there. Tom Hartman used to actually broadcast from C- some CPAC. Um, Here's an idea. Take uh, your new book over there. See if there's <laughs> anybody that wants to buy your new book from the left. <laughs> At CPAC, yeah, I wouldn't be. You allowed. might make some new friends. So, what are what, who, who's going to be there this weekend, and what can we expect? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the annual for people not familiar with. It's sort of the, you know the annual, um, you know, confab for conservatives. Um, in the past, it's been seen as sort of a stepping stone for a presidential bid, or you know, basically a Do- way to. Donald Trump spoke last year. Donald Trump spoke last year. Yeah. Didn't speak during the campaign. He ended right. up pulling out of that. Um, but it's interesting, kind of the evolution of this event. You know. Back in 2015, 2016, you know, or a little bit earlier, you you had the whole conservative spectrum there. You had, you know, Paul Ryan was there and Ben Sass was there. Rob Portman, you're know, certainly not oh. people who necessarily, I well, Ryan excluded, but people that don't necessarily <laughs> see themselves in the mold of the Trump conservatism. But you know, the you know, the more we're getting into the presidency now, you're seeing the results of the sort of Trumpification of 
the Republican Party. You have, you know, Nigel Farage will be returning the um, British uh, politician who supported Brexit. Yeah. Um, you're going to have Seb Gorka, a big fan, a big uh, a former White House, um, yeah. you know, got a big following in the alt-right, sort of the, the far right of the party. You have um, a relative of the Le Pens from the uh, National Front Party in um, France. Good Lord. It's, you know, it's it's certainly um, evocative. All sort of, the extreme right-wing wackos from a nation, I mean, worldwide. Well, it's I, I love, by the way, how how someone, there was so, some confusion about whether or not Dinesh D'Souza was going to be speaking there. And the head of CPAC, the guy, uh, Matt Schlapp, Matt was Schlapp. on Twitter and saying, "No, we would never invite Dinesh D'Souza. Take a look. We, he's he, not. A, he's he's not always a, spoken in the past. He's always spoken, and it's and also like put him up against these other people that you just mentioned. Yeah, is he any worse? Yeah, there was also some controversy about some of the side panels. They they kind of farm out side panels to different groups. They kind of they let them do what they want to do. Um, initially, it looked like they were looking to get the guy from Gateway Pundit, which is a very far right. Website that's gotten in some hot water for promoting a lot of those conspiracy theories about the about the shooter. shooters, conspiracy theories the, even the students. It's not right. even a conspiracy theory; just false yes. Inc- yes. information yes. about yeah. the shooters. So you know, it's just you know, obviously you know, you're seeing other there are other members of Congress that will be there. There are certainly other people who are sort of you know not necessarily in that ilk, but it's just interesting to sort of see this as a embodiment of where the, of of who won the battle in the Republican Party. It is the Trumpification of the party. It's the Trump party today. So P- Pence will be there. Pence will be there. Sorry, that was your initial yeah. question. I went on a tangent. So yeah. Pence will be there today. Um, you'll have um, tomorrow, um, I think it's tomorrow, a decent amount of administration officials. Um, you've got the president, obviously, will be speaking. Um, Kellyanne Conway will be there. Don McGahn will be there. I'm, I'm sort of pretty interested about the Don McGahn, uh, considering yeah. everything yeah. that's floating around with whether it's Russia or the Rob Porter Situation, but I highly am suspect that we'll get much answers. I I find it very questionable that the White House counsel would be at a political, you know, a a PAC conference. Yeah, I mean, especially with all of these questions swirling about the counsel's office, too. But yes. It's not his role. You think of it as a. The, the legal advisor to sure. the president, not a political hack. Right? Yeah, which but, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. Now, I'm, that's why I'm kind of interested what the what his marching orders have kind of been, what he what, what he's going there to talk about, because it is an odd fit. Certainly, he's been involved in Republican politics for quite some time, so personally, it might not be an odd fit, but who knows? All right, so the president can't get off this uh, the the tangent that they're trying this week on the whole Russian uh, investigation, which is why are they investigating me? Why aren't they investigating Barack Obama? Uh, yesterday, he actually asked Jeff Sessions that question: Why is the Department of Justice not uh, investigating Barack Obama? Um, is that going anywhere? Look, the sort of the investigating Barack Obama. I mean, I, th- I think it's sort of one of those things that I wonder how many, how much legs something like that has. Um, I mean, we're not certainly seeing much of it, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, the special counsel's investigating, and you can see they're not just bringing charges against, you know, a lot of people are trying to frame this as sort of, a, you know, looking at the Trump organization specifically and targeting them. I mean, they brought just a bunch of charges against Russian actors and people who were working in a variety of ways to uh, meddle with the election. So, I mean, I think if, you know, giving him benefit of the doubt here, if there's anything to investigate, I would imagine it's in the charge of the special counsel. Right, right. Uh, yeah, the, the, the calling for the investigation of of uh, Barack Obama kind of belies the fact that the Department of Justice, in the person of the special counsel, is conducting a serious criminal investigation into the Trump administration. Right? And it'd have to be pretty big conspiratorial to assume that 
they might come across, if there was anything to come across that needed more investigation, that they would turn it down for partisan reasons. I mean, I think even, you know, right. most yeah. people would agree that Mueller is going to, you know, follow this where it goes. And if it goes to a place where it implicates someone, then so be it. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to, uh, I almost, I don't think there's any way, I agree with you, that Jeff Sessions could initiate on, on what basis, on what charges an investigation of, of, uh, of Barack Obama. Um, I'd like to see them try it because I think the outcry would be, would be, uh, would be <laughs> we'd hear it loud and clear. Um, one other thing you've been writing about, which very few people I think have been tracking, and that is what's going on with reapportionment up in Pennsylvania, which is really critical because of midterms and because of a special election coming up. But so we had we had a district that was thrown dist, set of districts maps that were thrown out because they were too partisan. Take it from there. Yeah, yeah. So last month you had the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had been hearing a long-standing challenge to the to the um, lines there, the whole district lines for the for the whole state. They threw those mm-hmm. out. Gave this, uh, gave the Congress or the state legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, and the Democratic governor gave them a couple weeks to figure something out because everything is wonderful and everyone can come to agreement on everything. No, the story doesn't end yeah. there, actually. <laughs> um, they couldn't come to a conclusion, and then the Supreme Court put in their own maps. So these are maps that are, you know, definitely favorable to Democrats. I'm not saying they were drawn, you know, with a partisan intent. The Supreme Court drew their own maps? Supreme Court drew their own maps. So it's basically the primaries are inching up. Primaries are in May. You've got to start doing petitions in a couple weeks. I mean, things got to get going. So the court said, if you're not going to do this, we're going to step in. And so one of the, you know, when you look at all this redistricting, not to get too much down, basically they're just trying. The goal is to not split counties. You know, make make the box, make the districts look you know as much like a little box or a little circle or a little whatever as you can, and not these like weird sprawling ones. So this um, map certainly did that. But the way that they went around cutting it, it's going to help the Democrats. Frankly, there are they're going to be um, you know. A couple more seats in Pennsylvania that um, went from sort of swing seats to leaning Democrats. Over in all, there's about there are about six seats that moved over in favor of Democrat of Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like if you follow it to its conclusion, right now Democrats only have about five seats. Um, have five seats in the state. Looks like they're pretty good chance of winning eight or nine, potentially ten if it's a wave. Out of a total. Out of a total of eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So. Huge changes there and huge changes that are happening very quickly right before the election, which is frustrating Republicans. So there's going to be a legal challenge there as well where I think most people are skeptical that it'll go through. But certainly there were just a couple months out from the May primary and no one really knows where the lines are going to be. Right. And I did see that, again, uh, Donald Trump's uh, encouraged the Republicans to challenge these districts. Right. Yeah. But. They're going to challenge them to the court that drew the districts, and they really think they're going to get anywhere? They're going to try and go through the federal court process. Um, They tried that last month. It didn't work, so we're going to see if that happens again. I mean, but it's just sort of, I think, just briefly, you know, everyone's been a lot of, you know, a lot in the campaign world, we've been talking about the Pennsylvania 18th special election, which is the next big special Mm -hmm. election in a place that went Trump 20, you know, 20 uh, percentage points in 2016. I mean, it's such, the whole map situation is so odd. These Candidates are going to be running in March under district lines that will not exist after November, and then they have to run again in May for brand new districts. So, you know, um, you've been involved in campaigns. Yeah. How oh, it yeah. is right. got to be a nightmare for these campaigns that are well, running sure. in two districts at the same time. 
No, no, no. In terms of your everything, your ground game, you know, where you're advertising, where you're spending your time, uh, yeah, whom you're courting, whom you're talking to, what voters you're you're you're, you're targeting. Yeah, yeah. You might yeah. do a really bang up job at convincing you know this one yeah. voter, and then right. they're not, and then you're not <laughs> on the ballot next time, so they can't come vote for you. Or you spend a lot of time with this one, yeah, this one constituency or this one community, and then yeah, they're gone. Um, it's crazy. But but this this reapportionment thing is such a big issue all across the country. But in Pennsylvania, as you say, it's it's like right now. Oh yeah, I mean this is you know you're seeing this big Democratic effort. Obviously, um, former Attorney General Eric Holder, Barack Obama is involved, Terry McAuliffe's involved of really trying to map out this strategy towards trying to draw these lines, or at least get more Democrats in the room to draw these lines because right. there aren't Democrats in the room right now in a lot of these states. Now, one thing that certainly has gone into uh, the uh, um, back burner, if you will, uh, in light of uh, so much attention to what happened down in Parkland, Florida, uh, and the whole discussion now on gun safety. Last week, um, before this happened, the big issue was Rob Porter forced to resign from the White House uh, uh, because of domestic violence charges, and the fact that he'd been it turned out he'd been kept on in a with a temporary security clearance for 13 months. Uh, now, John Kelly, the chief of staff, has laid down some new rules. We're not going to tolerate this anymore, right? We want to. We want everybody's got to have a, a security clearance. And there's one person, two people actually, that stand out that don't: Ivanka and her husband Jared Kushner. Why not? Why don't? Why can't they get a security clearance? I mean, it's this. It's this interesting. I mean. It's been months and months and months, like you said. You know, typically this this doesn't really happen. These delays aren't normal from everyone that I've from, that I've spoken to. Um, you're seeing a lot of issues with um, Jared Kushner specifically his right. um, contacts with foreign individuals. I think he's had to update his um, security clearance forms a number of times, and that kind of makes it more difficult. If every time you know they're trying to investigate all your foreign contacts, and every couple of months you're adding more foreign contacts, you know it makes it difficult. I mean, the FBI um, and the individual, you know, the FBI and the agencies that are working on these background checks don't really comment. But I think it's pretty clear that that's a big red, you know, not a red flag, but it's a big, it's a big thing that is holding up the process. But yeah, there's a report this morning that he owns tens of millions of dollars to a uh, German bank. It's probably not but, helpful. There, there you go. <laughs> And there are staff, White House staffers who have lost their security clearance or not gotten one because they admit they want smoke pot. Now, okay, Kushner, <laughs> tens of million dollars in debt to a foreign bank, a kid has smoked pot. I mean, or there's someone else I saw who was thrown out, didn't get a security clearance because he had part ownership in a Canadian brewery. Which one? I kind of want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I'd love to know. Yeah. But I mean, but I think I mean, this so sort of. If what's re- is relative importance, right? And here's Kushner in charge of peace in the Middle East and right there at all these big meetings and no security clearance. But this is, I can think, kind of underscores the interesting thing here is that, you know, the White House has final say over who they can grant clearance to. This is, you know, the FBI uh-huh. makes their, does their investigation, makes their recommendations yeah. to the White House personnel office. And then it's up to the White House personnel office to either, you know, Yay or nay, but the, you know, the question is, and so you know, how will this end? Will this ultimately end up with the FBI and investigation clearing Kushner and giving it to him, 
or will they, you know, will they not clear him? And then it puts the White House in an interesting question where they either have to overrule the FBI because presumably this is going to end this investigation at some point. It's not going to last for four or eight years or you know three right. seven years. Right. But well, it the, sort of brings right. up this idea that or it that the president and the White House is the one with the final say here, not the FBI. Well, before it gets to Trump, right? Let's say the FBI completes its investigation and said, no, we can't clear this guy. Then John Kelly got a decision, right? Does he make an exception for Jared Kushner? Yeah, he's the gatekeeper here. He's been trying to, you does, know. Does he make an exception for the president's daughter? I think the answer to both of those is yes, and it makes Kelly look like a fool. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to wait and see, especially since he, you know, he he's under dare, such fire. He won't dare fire Jared. How could he fire Jared Kushner, right? So then Trump would have to give a special dispensation to Kushner and to his daughter, saying the FBI won't clear them, but they're okay with me. Yeah, right? I mean that that's that's what would happen if you know that's one of the options that he has, and it would certainly you know frustrate a lot of people who have been warning <laughs> about nepotism charges and things like that um, in the White House for months. Yeah, it would just confirm them and prove them, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this particularly this week, uh, you've been tracking it. Um, Congress has not been in session because they can't just take President's Day; they have to take President's Week, right? Um, we didn't get that this week, this year. Yeah, we, we didn't even get the, the day. And what wannabe presidential candidates have been taking advantage of it to get on the road, right? Yeah, but, I mean, who and where? I mean, you've seen a lot of people, you know, doing their 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 moves. You saw, um, I think it's Garcetti out in um, out in California, who is just swinging through South Carolina. You've Eric got, Garcetti, mayor of Los Angeles, who I mean, yeah, definitely has been to New Hampshire. Definitely wants to <laughs> wants to run. It's a crazy. Big city mayor running for president would be different, but yeah, go for it. Right? No, it is interesting to see Good how guy. many of these trips just happen to take you through. I mean, some oh, people, I know. you know. Yeah. For some people, it's a little bit more veiled, but for others, you know, they're setting up shop seven, ten times in in New Hampshire for you know over a year. And I love New Hampshire. I'm from Connecticut. I went to summer camp in New Hampshire. You probably don't have to go there ten times a year unless you've got an ulterior motive. <laughs> and and Julian, I just love the scenery in, in oh, yes, Des Moines, right. Iowa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got I've got a favorite little coffee shop. Yeah, there I just, yeah. Have to... just can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> no. Uh, Julian Castro famously, when a couple of weeks ago, when he went up there, he said, "Yeah, damn right, I want to run for president." You know, he didn't he didn't hide it. Right? I respect that. I mean, yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. You look, we did a we did a list this week of you know our last week of all of the people who are you know heading the road, and you see people that have been to Iowa, New Hampshire, seventeen times, sixteen times, fifteen times. I mean, well, I was surprised. I'm, I've got that article in front of me where, for example, I I talk about a guy that I forgot, right? But here he is. I'm sorry, Martin O'Malley. Five trips to Iowa and three trips to New Hampshire. Oh, he's been year. out there in support. He's been not just going to these places to talk to you know voters, or whatever. He's been out there really stumping for candidates and really trying to make some some allies early. I mean, his his plan is pretty calculated. So he's yeah he's yeah, he's I, he's looking and he's I mean he's admitted he's it. running again. He's yeah. uh, his uh, leadership pack's done polling. I mean, he's in Iowa. He's definitely. I mean, he's he's considering more than considering running again. Former Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander. He's the one he challenged. Uh, remind me, but uh, we had him, Roy Blunt was it? Roy, Roy Blunt. We had him in yeah. studio here. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. So ten trips to Iowa, 
seven trips to New Hampshire. He loves that uh, the Red Arrow Diner in, in Nashua, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, yeah. Uh, John Delaney, of course, is running from Maryland. Yep. Uh, uh, Who is running for he's president. He's running for and president. Upfront yeah. about it, he's dropped a million dollars in ad buys in Iowa. Seven trips to Iowa, five trips to New Hampshire. Um, and, of course, Tim Ryan. I was looking for him. Yeah, yep. yeah I know Tim Ryan has been out there. Uh, two trips to Iowa, three trips to New Hampshire. Um, he was in about a month ago, right, t- t- talking to us about that. Uh, Joe Biden's been on the road. Uh, 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 former Secretary John... John Kerry? Yeah, that one. So I, I'm not. I want to kind of surprise me. He did a. He did one fundraiser for um, Attorney General out in, in Iowa. Interesting. Didn't you know? He'll be 76, I think, come the 2020 election. So I don't think most people are expecting it. But you know, he made he he took full advantage of that appearance to Iowa to blast Donald Trump. It was um, right around the times that he was retweeting those um, far right British anti-Muslim groups. Yeah. So. Well, the, good thing about, the good thing about John and Sir Bernie Sanders too. Sure. sure. By the way, same back, basically the same age, and he's in Chicago today. I yep. know. Peter? The good thing about John Kerry running is it's been long enough. Maybe people will forget the horrible campaign he ran before. No, we won't. So, so maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll have. A no, no, we won't. <laughs> no, he, he's not running. He couldn't run. I think he knows that that would be uh, that would really be a non-starter. Uh, ben, you got a busy portfolio here, man. Thanks so much for coming in and. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got to go all the way to CPAC now, right? Well, in the Uber. I'm sorry, we can't make it today. So yeah, would you darn. please? Uh, I will send yeah. everyone. Their, I'll individually send <laughs> your best yeah. to everyone. Best to every speaker. Tell them uh, Bill Press is listening. And uh, sorry, he can't be here. All right, great to see. You. It's the Hill. Thehill.com. Keep up with it. And Jennifer Hoppy, moms demand action on guns. Coming up next. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, they are angry. They have voices, and they are not afraid to use them. And we hear them loud and clear and strong. Hello, everybody. Of course, we're talking about the high school students across the country, not just in Parkland, Florida, who are making a difference. And boy, did they show it yesterday. It is the Bill Press Show. Welcome uh, to the program here on this Thursday, February 22nd. Uh, As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, bringing you all the news of the day and giving you an opportunity to comment on it and to hear from uh, our guest and our good friends. And we want to hear from you. Don't forget, send us your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. Uh, It is exciting to see the parents and the students from Parkland, Florida, joined by parents and students all across the country, um, uh, really, really sounding out on this issue of the need for sensible gun safety measures 
in the wake of the tragic shooting at Parkland in Parkland, Florida last week. And one organization that has been out there in front for a long time, and we've talked to them often, are the Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Jennifer Hoppe is the deputy director and joins us back in studio. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here. Feels different, doesn't it? This moment feels incredibly different. I have been involved in the gun safety movement for five years, since right after Newtown, and I've never seen anything even remotely comparable to the energy of the past week. Yeah, okay, and that's what we want to talk about and talk about with you and talk about some real action that we should demand and we want to see. And we'll jump right into it again with your help, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... Yes, indeed. Just a couple other stories making news. I think we can officially say that the Black Panther movie is a phenomenon <laughs> at this <laughs> point. More numbers. Movies, yeah, more numbers it. have come out to shows how much money it has made. And on Tuesday, it set a record. The highest Tuesday gross for a Marvel movie mm. brought in $21 million. Now, not only was this a Tuesday, this was a Tuesday after a holiday weekend. Who goes to movies on Tuesdays? Right? <laughs> right? Well, $21 million worth of business went to go see that movie on Tuesday. So how has it done overall the worldwide total after Tuesday's numbers? Now put Black Panther at $462.3 million, which is remarkable. Remarkable amount of money that they brought in. How are those flights to? Uh, what's the name of the country? Wakanda. Uh, w- w- Wakanda, Wakanda. Atlanta <laughs> was offering fictional flights to uh, Wakanda, which is not a real place. <laughs> so be careful if you're booking your tickets there. By the way, if you are going to go to the movies to see Black Panther, be careful <laughs> if you go to a Cinemark theater. Yesterday, they put out a statement saying that they are banning large bags from all of their theaters. Now, they say this creates a safer and more secure environment for employees and guests. Yes, people can't sneak weapons in, but also can't sneak snacks in either. That's well, like you can have a little bag of snacks. Well, you can have a little bag of snacks, but like if you go with the whole family, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. had like a bag mm-hmm. and filled with a bunch of snacks for everybody. Not that that's something that we would advocate doing, no, of course, right. but it, that, that that has gone out the window as well. Plus, one other story. Uh, gosh, this is just terrifying. The Southern Poverty Law Center put out an annual census to take a look at different hate groups around America. They have identified 954 oh hate groups in the year 2017. How many more is that than in previous years? That is a 20% surge since 2014, just a three-year period. The number of hate groups in America went up 20%. Well, that I, hate, incre- I hate to say it, but they get a little encouragement from the White House. One hundred percent. No, absolutely. I mean, look, in it was terms in terms of spewing hate. It was in two thousand seventeen that Donald Trump made the, the now infamous statement. Both sides mm-hmm. uh, are Have guilty. Very good people. Very yeah. good people. When we talk about Charlottesville, so uh, yeah, the hate groups are definitely out there, and they're only getting stronger. I'm sad to say. And the Southern Poverty Law Center has been for years and years. They've been the lead in this and tracking these groups and putting the word out. Um, Good for them. Keeping it up. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. 
And here we are on this Thursday, February 22nd. Welcome back, everybody, or welcome to the program. If you're just joining us, The Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, but joining you everywhere in this country, coast to coast. We're there with you online, on television, and on radio. Online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On television, on Free Speech TV, and on the radio out in the greater Chicago area. WCPT, good to have you all with us. And yes, indeed, if you had any thought that maybe the energy would disappear after a few days, uh, yesterday proved that that is not the case at all. Two incredibly powerful sessions. One, a listening session at the White House where the president got an earful from students and from some parents but particularly uh, notable last night, a town hall meeting down in Tallahassee, Florida, where uh, Marco Rubio and Bill Nelson um, and a spokesperson for the NRA showed up, and it was an arena full of students who demanded action and would not take no for an answer. Another group that wouldn't take take no for an answer, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, um, right here based in the... uh, Washington, D.C. area. Jennifer Hoppe is deputy director here in studio with us again, Jennifer. Um, good to see you. Remind us, how how long have you been uh, the organization in existence and how did you get started? So we just hit our five-year mark. Um, we started right after the tragedy at Sandy Hook School in Newtown, Connecticut. That's the first time we met, I think. Was, yes, yeah, yes. Right. We came in shortly after that. And uh-uh. It was a moment very much like this one in terms mm-hmm. of a, a real national outcry. Um, I think you can see in the past week how the gun safety, the gun violence prevention movement has matured and people have a place to go now to uh, speak out. Um, people aren't taking it anymore. And of course, we have the voices, these eloquent voices of these students who are leading us. And the energy is amazing. And and. You know, so we've been with it for a long time, even before Sandy Hook, Mm -hmm. starting, I guess, in Columbine, right? But we all thought that Sandy Hook, I mean, how could they not, not listen to the parents of those little kids, first graders at Sandy Hook? And they didn't, right? And then it goes on, and and, um, nothing after the Pulse nightclub, and nothing after San Bernardino, and nothing after Las Vegas. Why does this... Why do we think that this might be different? What mm-hmm. what, what has made the difference? So just to back up a little bit, I do yeah. want to say um, I hear that refrain a lot that nothing's happened since Sandy Hook. And sure, Congress hasn't done anything. But our organization in particular and many other gun safety activists have taken the fights to the states. And we've been really effective in passing proactive laws, uh, uh, background checks, expanded background checks in seven states. We've passed really great proactive laws to keep guns out of the hands of domestic abusers, for example, in 25 yeah. states, red and blue. Um, and yeah, we've we, so there's yeah. been there's been a lot of progress, n- not at the federal level. Not, not at the federal and, level. But right, getting but, back to your question. But, I, but that's that's pardon me. That's very important. Yep. I'm glad you just stated it because, by the way, it's true across the board. It's true mm-hmm. on climate change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true on a lot of other areas where the states are really taking the lead because the, this Congress is just hopeless, right? But Yeah, and so just, to, good just to, know. to give a little plug, um, yesterday yeah. in Georgia that we had an advocacy day. We do those every year in most of the states. Um, yesterday where there were um, over 1,000 people there. 
over a thousand people in Georgia, in Georgia. And the capital, yeah, all riled up about gun safety. So, yeah. um, but to your point, right. um, yes, Congress has stalled on this issue, and um, I think this feels different now because, again, the voices of these students, um, who really have a gift of getting right to the point and asking the hard questions and not being um, uh, not not taking the talking points that are spewed back to them as answers and 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 they're pressing our elected officials and I think that's really important to see and I give them enormous credit so let's let's, let's listen to a one such exchange uh, perfectly illustrating the point that you make um, this is a survivor uh, from uh, Parkland, uh, Florida, uh, Cameron Kasky, uh, last night at the CNN uh, town hall, had the opportunity to ask Senator Rubio whether or not he will take any more money from the NRA. Can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA in the future? I think the uh, audience like the question, but Marco Rubio. So. Here's Rubio trying to duck, but Cameron Kasky just keeps after him. People buy into my agenda, and I do support the Second Amendment, and I also support the right of you and everyone here to be able to go to school and be safe. And I do support any law that would keep guns out of the hands of a deranged killer. And that's why I support the things that I have stood for and fought for during my time here. More NRA money? More NRA money? that, That is the wrong way to look. First of all, the answer is people buy into my agenda. You can say no. second, well, I, I, the influence of any group, we're going to be here all night. The influence of these groups comes not from money. The influence comes from the millions of people that agree with the agenda. Uh, Man. You know, I don't know, Peter made this point earlier, I don't know any broadcaster who would keep after a guest the way that, t- that you know, high school student did, right? And just said, yeah, answer the question. Will you take the NRA money, yes or no? And, of course, the answer is, of course I will. That's Rubio will take it, all the money they give them. It's one of those things, right, like the, like a newscaster, a broadcaster, they sort of feel like they have to suck up to the politicians because they want to have the access to them. They want to get them back on their show. Uh, yeah, they want to get don't them back on their network. They want to be seen as being too one-sided sure. or something. Sure, and the yeah. kids just don't care. They realize that these politicians work for us. Right. Like for yeah. as exalted as so many of these politicians have become over the years. Right. Like yeah. they get the dynamic. But, you know, so, Jennifer, I get the cynicism that I hear from even some friends of mine is, yeah, but, that, but, but you know, a couple of days these kids will move on to something else. Right. They're just, you know, well, let's forget about it, basically, and go back to uh, I, I have a sense that that may not be the case here. They really do seem determined. And they know how to use the social media, right? And they're fighting for their lives. These children were shot at in their own classrooms, in their own schools. What's more important than their lives and the lives of their peers? It's much like moms are motivated. What is more important than my children's life? Absolutely nothing. Um, That's an agenda that I think is worth fighting for, and it's worth sticking with it. And you, so if you were at that listening session yesterday with the president, right, and real, or, or, or with Senator Rubio, I mean, what do you think are the one, concrete steps that we could make? And we're focusing on school safety now because we're after Parkland. And of course, it's the, the issue, as, you've point, is, as you know, and you've worked at that, is a lot bigger than that. But let's just talk about schools for now. 
What are some of the concrete steps that we should take to make our schools safe? Well, I think, could take. Yeah, so I think one thing uh, that has come up in the wake of not just Parkland, but Las Vegas, Sutherland Springs, a lot of um, different of these types of shootings are the red flag laws that you may have heard of. So um, there are red flag laws in five states currently and um, pending uh, uh, proposed legislation in 18 states, including Florida. And what those laws do is they allow law enforcement and or family members to petition a court for temporary removal of firearms in case uh, someone is posing, a, threatens to pose a danger to themselves or others. So we've all heard that the Parkland shooter was clearly troubled. Um, the police were called several dozen of times to their, his house and it's it would be laughable if it wasn't so disgusting that the NRA is using that as a talking point while what law enforcement failed law enforcement had no mechanism to remove the firearms from that kid's home mm-hmm. oh and guess who opposes these re- these red flag laws i'll give you one guess yeah the NRA so that is one very concrete solution um that we are pursuing and it, for this type of situation particularly and by the way again that Seems to me it makes a lot of sense. It's just something that people could get behind, you know, and mm-hmm. not make it a partisan political issue. That just that just from law enforcement's point of view, mm-hmm. right? And public safety, that's an important measure. Okay, so let's let's start there, right? Uh, I want to. So, how about uh, armed guards at every school? So. Schools can make decisions about their own security. What worries me about when we talk when we talk about arming or, or bringing more armed security into schools is that often is a straight line to arming teachers. And I'm going there next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. arm, well, yeah. let's just go right there because okay, that yeah. is the that is the slippery what, slope that we're headed for. Right. That is what um, I think was mentioned in the White House yesterday. That's what as Donald a Trump solution. talked about. Yeah. yeah. It is ridiculous. I. I would I can't imagine that you could find a plurality of teachers that would say that they think that's a good idea. Um, the teacher last night in on the CNN town hall, who is a Trump voter, who uh, said very much she respected the Second Amendment and and she was horrified at the thought that she would have to add to her job description a sharpshooter. It's an excuse. It's it's an excuse for passing real solutions, and it really makes me furious. I mean, yeah. Here, here's here's Donald Trump talking about one of the teachers, one of the coaches, right, who mm-hmm. did charge the killer uh, and lost his and lost his life in the meanwhile. So Donald Trump, oh, the simple solution is here he is. If the coach had a firearm in his locker when he ran at this guy, that coach was very brave, uh, saved a lot of lives, I suspect. But if he had a firearm, he wouldn't have had a run. He would have shot, and that would have been the end of it. Oh, yeah. Just as simple as that, right? Because every teacher is a sharpshooter, and right, you're just right. And you have a handgun, and and it's all over. I mean, I, it's hard it to almost, believe that somebody would. It's hard to comment on something yeah. like that uh, just because it it's, you know, it's a fantasy. Sure, we all want to think that we'd be the hero, but we don't live in an action movie, and it, we can't pretend that we do. And oh, so and what about sh- what about the the other 
99% of the days when a when a um, mass shooter doesn't come into your school mm-hmm. and you have an armed loaded weapon on your person on your, around a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, or, or on your or, desk or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, and where do you keep it, right? You mm-hmm. wear it. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole thing is just... Yeah. You're... But by the way, you you said you couldn't find a priority of teachers. I know you could not find a priority of teachers that would that would support this. They want to teach, right? Of course they do. Of there, course they do. And all of, all of this, I I get emotional when I think about this because you hear lip service to the fact that teachers are heroes. Teachers are heroes. Well, yes, they are, but they shouldn't have to. Part of their job description, part of their expected job description, shouldn't be to be a human shield or to be at risk of laying down their lives for our kids. And if that's the only solution that you, that is offered out there, I think that speaks for itself that they're they, they're not be taking being valued as professionals and as humans who are there to uh, protect our kids. Okay, you haven't mentioned um, assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Banning assault weapons? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to assault weapons, I actually want to talk about something slightly different, which is the high-capacity magazines. Um, research. Yeah. So, yeah. They sort of go together. They, they do they? go together. So there's this suite of, uh, of accessories, bump stocks, Las Vegas, silencers, which the NRA is attempting to deregulate, and really... High capacity magazines are have a huge mm-hmm. um, impact on lethality, and research has shown that uh, they increase the casualties in many types of shootings, including the not only including the uh, school shootings like we see in Parkland, but in many other cases. Um, and so, I think if we're looking for solutions that are really going to work, I think. F- looking at high-capacity magazines is something that we should really take seriously. And why not assault weapons as well, banning those as well? Well, I think, you know, it's fine to look at any solutions for sure. Um, assault. You, you don't, that's not a priority for you or for the organization? I, it's a priority a priority to do the things that we know are going to reduce the most, um, or going to be the most effective, basically. And I think... Um, we want to look at everything for sure. Um, assault weapons. One thing about that is they've in the past. It's kind of easy to get around the definition of what is an assault weapon. So manufacturers can skirt a ban fairly easily. So um, again, high capacity magazines are really, really important, and it's it's not something that's come up in the national conversation. But I think we should talk about it more. Okay, I I'm with you on that. I just mm-hmm. find it. I'm I'm surprised that you don't share the passion that these kids do for getting rid of the assault weapons because without an assault without without an assault weapon that high capacity magazine is not going to be used anyhow and these assault weapons I mean you know, well, I have to tell you they're weapons of war they're designed to kill as many people in as little time as possible and uh, I think most law enforcement people would say those in, private citizens should not have those weapons they're either on the battlefield or maybe in a police department. Um, but but the more that are out there, the more people can buy them. The more the more that are out there, the more likely they're going to be used in a school shooting or or a nightclub shooting or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, like I said, I think we need to explore anything and everything that is going to that will reduce these not just these types of shootings, but all fatalities and um, 
that yeah now um okay so so if we get I, I would <laughs> I would encourage you to make that and the magazines right both of them across the board now one thing that Donald Trump mentioned yesterday is he thinks the answer is let's just raise the age limit so you can't buy like um, uh, the skid in Florida did you can't buy a an AR-15 at 19 you have to be 21 is that the answer it's a step but it doesn't seem doesn't do much to does do it? yeah I, I mean I don't know what the average age of a perpetrator of gun violence is but I'm assuming a lot of them are over 21 uh, I, I think they are yeah I mean they just I think are that's a safe that's a safe bet. Like we've right? had some instances where, yeah, we've had some high school students or are just out of high school students uh, uh, attack schools. But, like, you look at the the worst mass shootings in American history, they were over 21, right? You look at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, he was in his mid-20s. You look at the shooter in Las Vegas, he was in his 50s or 60s. My, uh, yeah, um, my wife last night, Carol, said at dinner that she thinks the idea, yeah, that's a good idea to raise the age limit, raise the age limit to 65. Or, 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 or well, the re- shooter in Vegas was 64, so maybe 75 or something, right? 80, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. The, the idea, because this is an idea that the president got from Geraldo Rivera, so I would say consider the source. Uh, it doesn't do much. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I think... I think our students that we've been talking about, you know, would would laugh uh, at that. Um, the um, yesterday last night again, I'm going to come back to CNN. Uh, there was a father who lost his 14 year old daughter. It's, it's so heartbreaking to see the pictures of these kids and then to hear their parents, um, uh, uh, to hear the survive from the survivors and from the parents of the kids who's who will not didn't come home that day. Uh, Fred Gutenberg was one of them. Uh, talking to Marco Rubio uh, about, um, you know, you got to get serious about this problem. Here he is. I want to like you. Here's the problem. And I'm a brutally honest person, so I'm just going to say it up front. Yes, sir. When I like you, you know it. And when I'm pissed at you, you know it. Your comments this week and those of our president have been pathetically weak. Uh, so then he says, "There's one thing you got to recognize that if, if, if with all these school shootings, there's one common denominator here, and it's the guns." Here's Mr. So Newberg. you and I are now eye to eye because I want to like you. Look at me and tell me guns were the factor in the the hunting of our kids in this school this week and look at me and tell me you accept it and you will work with us to do something about guns uh of course rubio gave some kind of a an evasive uh, evasive answer again so what's the what do you find is the public support for action on gun safety it's overwhelming they cited some polls last night at the cnn uh uh town hall that 97% of the public support gun safety measures like background checks. That's almost the entire population. So I also want to talk into what we need to pass. Mm-hmm. Here's who we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of the folks who are standing in the way of passing common sense gun laws. And we are also, in addition to focus on our policy priorities, 
focused on throwing out the legislators who are beholden to the gun lobby. Marco Rubio talked a good game in certain respects last night. He's got now he can prove it. If he really yeah, wants to stand, a plus, a plus from yeah, the NRA. Yeah, if he wants to start voting for gun safety, more power to him. We'd love for him to. If he doesn't, we're going to mobilize to make sure that someone else takes that seat who will. We have a campaign just launched with um, Every Town for Gun Safety, with which is our um, umbrella organization mm-hmm. called Throw Them Out. And if you go to is that the Michael Bloomberg organization, it was founded by Michael Bloomberg and Mayor Thomas Menino. Um, yes, back yeah. in mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so if you go to everytown.org/throw them out, there is a five-step plan to get elected officials beholden to the gun lobby out of office. Um, it allows everytown.org everytown.org/throw them out and. We actually just launched a tool that you can go to to enter your zip code and find out how much money your representatives have accepted from the NRA. So go there, find out, call them, tell them, hey, you're on notice. I'm voting on this issue. And then show up at the polls, help candidate, help elect candidates who will change this. Because the Congress, sorry, I, I'm just realistic, the Congress that we have now, not very optimistic they're, that they're going to get anything substantial done on this issue. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Well, I, I I understand where you would come to that conclusion. Watching them for the last ten years or more, um, and are you looking at? Uh, I mean, you're absolutely right on track here. I mean, and I believe that um, one of the reasons why this could be different is these are this happens in a 20, 2018 midterm election year, uh, and if we are successful, we can make this one of the key deciding issues, if not the deciding issues, in every race, in every congressional race, in every Senate race, in every state legislative race. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand? Right? Yeah, basically, you stand with the NRA. Do you stand with the American people? And I think that the kids of Parkland have given us a great example about that. But it is on us, the adults, to, to support them, show up, don't forget about this, um, follow their lead, and help make a change. Uh, and and bring that to the table in this uh, in this election in this election cycle Absolutely. these races this year. So get some people in there who will support sensible gun gun safety measures. Uh, and it's you know it's 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 possible. Some of these we've seen some of these districts. They may have been um, solid red districts the last time around, but some of them already flipped to blue or to purple or whatever. Uh, and uh, and that. If we don't take advantage of this opportunity, I think we've we've missed a, a great a great great opportunity. So it's everytown.org/slash/throw-them-out, um, and mothers for mothers demand action on guns is momsdemandaction.org, right? Correct. Momsdemandaction.org. Uh, Jennifer Hoppe, Deputy Director. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, Justin Sings joins us next from Bloomberg. Uh, as we take a break, let me remind you, a uh, great opportunity from the left. My new book coming out um, just about a month from now, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. And you can get an advanced copy, signed copy. Just go to our website uh, at billpressshow.com. A lot of fun. Talk about a lot of fun experiences uh, that I've had uh, with the help of a lot of good friends. All wrapped up here. And um, again, get your early copy. Don't wait till you can wait till it's in the bookstore. But if you really want to get ahead of the game, uh, go to BillPressShow.com and get your copy. We'll take a quick break. 
We'll be back with Justin Sink from Bloomberg News. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks Thank again. Thank you very much. is the Bill Press Show. All right, here we are, Thursday, wrapping up the Bill Press Show on this Thursday, February 22nd. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us here, and thanks for being part of the program. We come to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., our studio right here on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Yes, those good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families, the people that you uh, see and who serve you uh, every day at all of the great grocery chains around uh, the country. We salute them, thank them for their good support or their support of the uh, program. Uh, and again, welcome you with the news of the day. There's a lot happening down at the White House and uh, Nobody's more on top of that. Covering the White House for Bloomberg, our good friend Justin Sink back in the studio. Hello, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. We had a session uh, unlike um, many we've, any we've seen maybe at the White House. Yesterday afternoon, the president holding a listening session uh, on the question of gun safety. Um, so what do you th- why did they do this and what was accomplished, do you think? Well, so I think uh, for President Trump, this is a real opportunity for him uh, to to kind of combat what had been a criticism through last week, which was that he had not um, kind of directly interacted with or consoled uh, the victims of the mm-hmm. attack. He did meet privately at, at uh, a hospital down near Mar-a-Lago with them briefly Friday afternoon, but this was sort of a, a public way to maybe check that box. They were, to, that was the, the medical personnel, some of the law enforcement personnel, and two students who happened to be yes. in the hospital, but not with the families and not with like, like other presidents have done. Yeah. So this was, a, I think, an opportunity for him to um, to sort of show that empathy and, and sympathy. I think it was also, you know, particularly on the issues of, of guns, but on, on many issues, President Trump does not have core political principles we've we've heard throughout its career uh a a wide span on gun control and gun issues and so this was i think an opportunity for him to sort of take the temperature of uh where particularly advocates on this issue were uh and then we obviously saw you know among the big takeaways from yesterday was him advancing this idea of potentially arming uh, officials at schools, right. both as a deterrent and uh, in hopes of stopping school shootings earlier. And right. in that, I think this is sort of a master class in Donald Trump, where we've now moved away from, you know, the myriad of controversies that were was engulfing last week, from Rob Porter and security clearances to the Rush investigation. Uh, we're looking at a hot-button social issue, and the president has staked out or begun advocating a position that um, is going to infuriate many, many people, uh, that's going to have support for many people, particularly in his base, and allows him to sidestep uh, what could have been a difficult discussion about serious new gun reforms. Right. 
Well, those other issues have not gone away, uh, of course, and won't go away, and we'll get back to some of those in just a few minutes. But sticking with this, so the president yesterday, as you mentioned, he did throw this one idea forward, which has been uh, the classic NRA response to school shootings. Uh, don't keep guns out. Allow more guns in, particularly in the hands of the teachers. Um, we have that clip where yesterday he talked about this. In this case, it was the coach. Uh, if only he had had a gun. If the coach had a firearm in his locker when he ran at this guy, that coach was very brave. Uh, saved a lot of lives, I suspect. But if he had a firearm, he wouldn't have had a run. He would have shot, and that would have been the end of it. Uh, and he even asked people there. Um, so he's clearly talking about arming teachers. He, yep. he asked people there how many thinks this is good and how many is not. Uh, and then this morning he tweets out, I never said arm teachers. The fake news put that out there. Right, and I mean, then he, tweeted that he he does, in fact, support arming teachers with the caveat that he wants them to be trained. You know, highly trained. And I think nobody was suggesting a, a, anything else. I mean, so what, if he says something and he backs off and then he comes back, I mean, I think again, that, this is sort of classic Trump too, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think what is you know interesting about this is he is um, – he is particularly acute at sort of sniffing out cultural touchstones or cultural pressure points where people um, are really sort of passionate about about certain issues, and gun control is one of those. So you have a lot of people who feel very passionately about basically an unencumbered Second Amendment, and you have a lot of people who feel very passionately about um, really strengthening uh, yeah. strengthening gun control. He's got a, this is a non-starter. The idea, well, so I, it's interesting. So you look at the proposal of, you know, obviously I don't think we're going to have a situation where he even floated the number 20%. 20% of school teachers have guns. I mean, uh, you know, you can look through some of the policy explanations of why that would be uh, a questionable decision. Among them, you know, a RAND study of New York City police officers, so people who are extremely trained in how to use a firearm, found that they... Uh, only hit their targets when shooting less than 20% of the time, uh, that becomes a, you know, an already concerning statistic becomes even more so when you're firing into a hallway full of teenagers. Um, you know, I think we could point to a number of instances in schools where teachers have not exercised the best judgment, where there have been uh, issues with security uh, interacting with students. Um Teenagers are also adept at finding pressure points, yeah. I, I would say. But, you know, there was a there was a viral video out this week of a student who looked to be high school aged or older high school aged. And he is in a screaming match with his teacher. And I really I shouldn't call it a scream match. He's just screaming at his teacher. And thank heavens, his teacher is a pretty level headed guy. Right, and he just sits there and he puts his head down and he picks up the the phone that he has in the classroom to call the office, and calls the principal and calls the security to come down and help handle the situation. But this student is screaming and very agitated and very angry and throwing things and all of that. Now, just imagine, oh, yeah, just imagine it's that teacher is not having the best day already mm -hmm. right yeah and just imagine this gun. teacher gun. has other yeah. problems right that they couldn't spot with a background check or whatever right and all of a sudden you've got an armed teacher with a intimidating 
borderline violent student in the classroom, that could be bad. Yeah. So, but so I, I want to talk about what what happens. Not so much to debate that um, issue, but for, from Trump's point of view, this it, I think that on the one hand, this is an opportunity for him to yes. show some leadership, put yes. something together, and maybe show his deal making skills, which yep. he professed that he had. We haven't seen yet. I mean, let, and get something done. Let's give, or he could just move on and nothing happens. Let's let's give him credit on the fact that despite the sort of sideshow of arming teachers, uh, the president also this morning advocated again for strengthening background checks, which is something that um, people on both sides of the aisle and yeah. And Democrats have yeah. have argued for it's something that Barack Obama was not able to get right, uh, right. done in the aftermath. I, of, I want to see the details before I say this sure, is a good of course, plan, but but, yeah. but right. uh, eliminating uh, bump stocks, which is something that the Obama administration determined that they couldn't do through regulation. Trump seems to think differently. Yeah. That'll be you know an interesting um, mm-hmm. thing that they have to deal with, and you know so there is the potential here for progress for a moment of of leadership and you know i think that people uh, people who work for donald trump and people who support donald trump who aren't you know very conservative who are more moderate have always seen him as having a sort of unique ability to uh bring republicans along with him to positions that they might not have otherwise done uh you know some people thought he might have done that on the dreamers too and he didn't and so yeah, and now there's another opportunity here. Yeah, infrastructure is another great example of something right. where you know right. if he had been more politically strategic, uh, he he might have been able to find that bipartisan ground to exert leadership to to sort of get a, a policy goal accomplished. Now, what it what does seem unique about this time is that the children um, who yes. were were uh, victims or knew mm-hmm. the victims of the Parkland shooting seem more dedicated than but, than uh, than we've seen in some past instances of really absolutely. pushing this agenda. No, and absolutely. So, they're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the difference, I think, in this whole in the whole discussion this time around, the survivors. Um, uh, on some of the uh, ongoing issues at the White House, they didn't, as we say, they didn't go away. In fact, it was just yesterday, not at this meeting, but um, at some other occasion, where the president turned to, uh, turned to the Attorney General of the United States and said, why aren't you investigating Barack Obama? <laughs> yeah, uh, so you know, the, the, in the last few days, there's been an effort to try to pivot the whole Russian investigation thing from they should not be investigating me because the Russians were interfering in the election. They should be investigating Barack Obama. So does this mean does the White House accept the fact finally? Does Donald Trump is he finally willing to say yes? Russia meddled in the 2016 election. I think in a very narrow sense, they will <laughs> they will concede the literal facts of the indictment that there were Russian agents uh, in the United States that were uh, creating false identities and illegally buying political advertisements. Trying to help him? Do they will they go? That well, far? that is something that you've seen a stumbling block on. So, you know, you ask White House officials that, and it's very clear from the indictment. It's very clear from what the conclusions the intel community is uh but they say no you know uh, after the election yeah. they they came in and they were doing rallies to undermine donald trump and they were also helping bernie sanders that so they you know they try to find these caveats yeah. now what is clear is that there was a sustained campaign against hillary clinton for uh donald trump and 
where I think the president and the staff do themselves a disservice is if there was genuinely no collusion with Russia, which we have not seen any evidence of a campaign official and right. the Russian government working together right. to sort of undermine the validity right. of the 2016 election. Not, not could so be coming, could so be coming, far, but we don't know it yet. Right. And so if what they say is true, that that doesn't exist, you would think that they would be better, better served by acknowledging the facts that are out there and saying, it doesn't matter. Voters went to the polls. Yeah. They, they knew right. what they knew. They knew who they were electing. And what Russia did was wrong, and we shouldn't let them get away with it, and they're not going to get away with it again and make that an issue. Exactly. Yeah, I, and and I'm, so... I don't get it. I, it is a strange defensiveness that seems rooted in the fact that Donald Trump feels like any acknowledgement of that is would illegitimize his victory in some Take, way. Taken away from the legitimacy of his presidency. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. and he should... Uh, there would seem to be a, a, a political advantage in just acknowledging the yeah. the plain facts and saying we've got nothing to hide. We're not worried about it. I was <laughs> more people voted for me in the states that mattered than voted for Hillary Clinton. But I'm not I'm not going anywhere. I'm moving forward and, and make it a thing against Russia. How dare Russia try to interfere with our democracy? I mean, this is a, it seems to me a golden issue for Trump, and they're just blowing it. Uh, and, and instead, you know, trying to blame it on. Or, or shift the focus to uh, either Hillary or to Barack Obama. Yeah, uh, and I think that only deepens suspicion about you know this entire th- thing. I, for Trump so, supporters, they see this as an opportunity to sort of muddy the waters. The the FBI, the DOJ, they're politically biased against us. Why aren't they investigating Hillary's emails? Why aren't they invest? You know, X, <laughs> Y, and Z. Well, a big reason is Hillary Clinton's not the president anymore. Another is that. The email issue was investigated. A, a third yeah, is by that, the FBI. Yeah, some of these other issues, like you know, uranium one, don't sort of make logical sense as a scandal. Uh, but putting all that, you know, all of those things aside, if you just say we acknowledge that there were bad Russian actors in the country, we had no knowledge of them existing. We didn't have anything to do with them. I was elected. Russia's bad. We're moving forward. That would seem far less of uh, a, a political liability than, than the path that the president's decided to right. take. They also seem to have gotten themselves in a little fix on the issue, uh, and you've been writing about this, of security clearances. Okay. So ro- the whole thing came to light with Rob Porter, who couldn't get a security clearance because of charges of domestic violence, but yet was held on for 13 months. And now we find out, found out then that Rob Porter was hardly alone. Uh, in the Trump White House, not having working under only an interim security clearance because the FBI would not give them a final. Yeah, um, Jim Acosta over at CNN and Mike Bemel and Carol Lee at NBC had a report last week that I think 120 um, white West Wing officials, um, as recently as last November, still didn't have mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or were still operating under interim security clearances. We know that among those officials were. Uh, Jared Kushner, uh, a big one, um, Don McGahn, the president's chief counsel, uh, a number of officials at the National Security Council. Now, the White House has told us since then that many of those officials have kind of finished up the the interim process. But, but not Jared Kushner. But not, well, they will not say Jared what Jared Kushner's status is, which I think is sort of telling in and of itself. And uh, 
where this gets interesting is that there there has always been a perceived power struggle uh, between Jared, uh, Jared and Ivanka, and John Kelly, the new chief of staff, who has come into the White House and systematically sort of cut off every uh, other center of power. So we saw the departure of Steve Bannon. We saw uh, the departure of the sort of RNC apparatus that existed. Mm-hmm. Scaramucci was there and, and gone yeah. in a flash. And so uh, what is curious about this, although John Kelly insists that this is not true, is that under the new security clearance procedures that he put into that place put on into Friday, place. Uh, they would seem to limit Jared Kushner's access to uh, classified information. And if uh, this was done in a deliberate way to... Um, sort of marginalized Jared. I, it sort of adds to the palace intrigue, and it presents a tough question for President Trump whether to support John Kelly, who has had a rough month in terms of mm-hmm. sort of popular opinion, but who has made big strides in in sort of professionalizing uh, the White House relative to his predecessors, or do you support Jared Kushner, your son-in-law, and uh, somebody who? really chaired your campaign and and has been a big part of your... So my understanding is that the president does have the power. Let's say that the FBI gets to the point where our final report is we're not going to give him, because of whatever reasons, I want to get to that in a little bit, we're not going to give him a security clearance. clearance. The president has the power to give him a special dispensation, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And so, you know, with all of these, there is a decision that, that has to be made if not cleared by the FBI, the president, or even, you know, the chief of staff largely has a lot of uh, leeway to say, well, we think it's important for this person to have access to, to classified material. And the president ultimately is the person who determines what, you know, classification levels and, and whether to do but it. And see, so he's got... see, uh, I, I'm sure if it came down to that, uh, that Donald Trump would give both Ivanka and Jared Kushner a uh, uh, special dispensation. But talk about um, optics. Right. Well, I think it, the, the optics, optics are, are be... troubling on two fronts. One is um, because we don't know what is holding up uh, the security clearance. Another thing the White House has said is that there are no red flags that have been presented in Jared's security review. But obviously something is taking a long time. It may be um, as simple as the fact that he has an ex- you know extremely long business career with a lot of interesting and diverse holdings. And it is taking federal investigators a long time to work through that. It is a lot different than your guy who lives down the street and works at the State Department and mm-hmm. goes on vacation once a year so that and has a 401k. That's Those are just different in terms of scope and size. Um, or, you know, I think all of us that knew Rob Porter had no idea uh, of what was going on in his past and what some of those concerns were. And so... Uh, you know, that is a a gamble that the president would have to take. Right. Um, so um, on that question about, I think it was, I forget where I saw it this morning, Politico or somewhere, uh, there was a story about um, that, that what might be holding Kushner up is that he owes tens of millions of dollars to some German bank. Well, you know, Bloomberg has done a lot of reporting about this. The tower that he owns in New York uh, is highly leveraged, is in some serious financial trouble, and uh, 
Jared owes or or his debt is growing by tens of millions of dollars a year. He's in a really precarious financial situation uh, as a developer, and his ability to address those issues is only hampered by. Right. Sure, he's the, not on the job. He's <laughs> yeah. at the White House every day. He's at right. the White House every day, and there are restrictions about you know going and soliciting foreign money that that now yeah. apply to him at the White House, and so. Uh, I will not sort of equate that sacrifice with others that people who serve in the military or serve for the government make, but uh, there is an element of Jared, you know, having put that part of his life aside, and and so I think it it has created a lot of sort of interesting questions, interesting developments, and we're going to be watching, I think, the ramifications of that financial picture mm -hmm. as they play out while he's in the uh, uh, So there's a rumor this morning that um, H.R. McMaster might be the next one to fall. Uh, he did sort of uh, annoy the president last week when he said the evidence of Russia meddling in the election is incontrovertible uh, when Donald Trump was still denying it. Um, uh, any substance? Of course, we've heard that other people are going to fall too. Tillerson was on his way out, right? And he's still there. And... Yeah. I, so H.R. McMaster is a fellow Philadelphia Eagles fan, so I can understand if he's just been <laughs> <laughs> annoying everybody in the oh, in God. the West Wing for a while. Uh, Does, I, I think my always gets back to yeah, football. But more substantively, I think obviously McMaster has been. Um, among the more aggressive people in the White House doing what we were just talking about, acknowledging Russia's role interfering mm -hmm, in the election, mm -hmm. saying that they shouldn't do it again. again. And this is what used to be Republican Party orthodoxy and, and remains in many elements of Washington that way. Um, yeah, on the Hill, they the Republicans on the Hill very much acknowledge that Russia did try to meddle and was wrong, and we ought to slap some sanctions on them. Yeah, and so, you know, I think the tone that he took uh, when he was speaking in Europe over over the weekend was starkly different from the one that, that the president has adopted, and it certainly raised eyebrows among all of us and then solicited sort of a, a brushback pitch from the president over Twitter. Uh, but, you know, Sarah... Sanders insists that the president is, remains confident and happy with HR. That uh, I think whenever they express how much confidence they have in them, <laughs> we saw that under Barack kiss Obama too. Yeah, That's it's a kiss of death. It's kind of like when an, uh, you know an athletic director says about a coach that's <laughs> been losing. Like, oh yeah, we've got great confidence in them, and a week later they they've disappeared yeah, off the yeah. face of the earth. But, right. Um, but uh, again, you know, again, that's a, that is a difficult job to fill and to have somebody who uh, commands the respect of the, the president and uh, has a grasp on the serious foreign policy issues that exist and also, um, you know, has the, the credibility and, and background in, in foreign policy issues that you, you'd need to, to sort of functionally do that job. So there, there have long been rumored uh, sort of a great foreign policy shakeup with people moving around in the administration, yeah. a lot of people leaving. But I do think that um, the fact that Kelly survived last week, that um, that it mm -hmm. seems to have stabilized back down, uh, suggests to me that that it'll be a while before we see those types of sweeping changes. Uh, a couple of quick things before we before we wrap up here. Um, uh, the president has made a big big deal about. Um, family immigration, extended family immigration, which, of course, he calls chain migration. 
that this is how all the criminals and rapists and murderers get in under this uh, this uh, rubric of chain migration. And it turns out that Melania's mommy and daddy um, came yeah. into this country yeah, there was under a report chain migration. In the Washington Post. And, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you know, I think even Donald Trump's relatives a couple generations back have come mm-hmm. Come in through um, through family connections, and this is uh, you know I think this gets to the heart of of what some of the um, frustration among immigration activists is with with what the president has proposed, and right. why Democrats were unwilling to ultimately take that take the deal that was offered by by President Trump. Finally, I got to get your take on this. So uh, I didn't see you the other night at the White House Correspondents Association uh, event with Mike McCurry and Sarah Sanders. Uh, No, I was not there. But Mike McCurry once again said the biggest mistake that he made as press secretary in Bill Clinton was to allow cameras in the briefing room. And he really thinks they should uh, shut the cameras. No live cameras uh, on White House briefings. You've been covering these White House briefings for uh, several years now. Do you agree? You know, I I think that the impact of the camera is overstated sort of on both sides. Undeniably, um, the there are certain television reporters who um, play, for the play for the cameras or will re-ask questions yeah. that have already been asked. Right. Um, at the same time, it provides a extremely powerful tool to the administration that they know how. You know, every one of Sarah's briefings and Sean's before it yeah. broadcast live. They have a topper that they're able to read uh, that goes straight out, unfiltered onto the news. You can make an argument either way for for the pluses and minuses. Of and that. for the American people, they get to they see they get to see reporters doing their job, asking questions. And, and I think there and, is an importance and, to, to and they get to see the administration presenting its point of view, and whether they do so uh, convincingly or not is up to them. They've yeah, got that opportunity. Exactly. So anyhow, Justin, great to see you again. Thanks, Thanks so much me. for all your great work at Bloomberg Bloomberg.com. That's it for this Thursday. Tomorrow, a big Friday. Come back and see us. This we'll be looking is the for you. Bill Press Show.